Welcome to the Jam Frequency Radio Show. This is John DiMaria, your friendly host. Every week here on the Jam Frequency Radio Show, we get to discover up-and-coming artists as well as living legends. We get to know their stories, how they create music, and what makes them unique as artists. The Jam Frequency Radio Show, where words and music kaleidoscope. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are super stoked today to be talking to Fletcher Nielsen, a great pianist and vocalist from the band Tricorum. Fletcher, how are you today? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. Dude, we're getting to know each other pretty well, aren't we? Yeah, lucky us. I love what I get to do because I get to meet cool people like you that are so talented. And it is a pleasure. I mean that sincerely. I say that all the time to our listeners. It's really a pleasure. But I guess I just feel that I'm like a giddy little child when I speak to people who are so talented and get them on the phone and get to talk to them about their backstories and how they create music. So it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Likewise. I really appreciate it. In the past, we spoke about the name Tricorum. I can only refer to it as the song from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Inevitably, somewhere in this episode, sneak in. What's the name Substitutiary of it? locomotion. Yeah, so we'll have to slip that into, into today's episode just because it's so cool. In the past, we did a nice interview, and that can be found on the Jam Frequency Radio website. It's going to be a lot about your backstory, and it's really a cool story. So anyone listening should definitely check that out. But if you don't know Fletcher, let's give you a little bit of a basis as to where you come from musically. So tell us, Fletch, what inspired you to start playing and making music? It first starts probably with parents and grandparents grandfather played sax. My mom was a great piano player, more classical oriented. My dad was a banjo player, grew up around the Broadway and old musicals and just jazz and classical music. So sort of surrounded by it, was lucky enough to get some piano lessons early on in life. And that definitely planted the seed so that when I became a teenager, I quickly turned my attention back to studying music and uh, found that I had a a knack or a, a passion for writing music as well and that sort of sent me down the never-ending road of music absolutely now what age were you when you started your first piano lessons i had a, a year of lessons from age five to six my older sister was getting piano lessons at the same time and actually my younger sister as well but yeah for about a year from five between five and seven was my first sort of introduction to the piano your mom was a was she also a teacher she was a physician but she was always teaching but not as a profession, but she was quite a good concert piano player. Was she your first teacher? Yeah, I mean, you could say that. I got lessons from a guy named Mr. Herman, who was an old, retired Broadway composer who had moved from New York down to Florida where I was growing up. Since we were from New York, we had known him through a family member and lucky enough, had the time to come and teach me piano. Very good. Now, did you kick and scream learning the piano or was it just an easy piece? We're going to, you're going to sit down and play this. How was it introduced to you? No kicking and screaming. It was introduced to me. It was strange. I, I liked patterns and I liked math already at that age. So I think you have a, a born ability to be able to read music easier as a child, maybe than picking up later in life. But at least at that age, it was easy to read music. I was tempted by melodies and songs I was either familiar with or that I liked. It seemed like that was what started me down the road. Awesomeness. You've taken lessons throughout your your life for sure, right? Different pieces from here and there, whether it's just your self-study and whatnot. Were there any lessons that you learned from your earliest teachers that you still use today? Yeah. Gosh, definitely the spirit and I, I would say the the genres of music that I was introduced to 
by my earliest teachers. And then the first teacher I had when I was a teenager sort of was the first one to teach me about just chords and some rock and roll stuff. I think it all has continued to build into what my vocabulary is. It's impossible to cover everything. Music, as you know, is this infinite, beautiful thing. So I do feel like every teacher and every experience I've had in learning has just added to the voice that I'm still you know, continuing to try to develop. Mm. I have a very specific question, maybe because I think back on my own writing and my aesthetic from melody writing and what I appreciate. When you were young and you first started learning music, we developed, you developed an aesthetic for melody and whatnot. Do you feel that that's still a part of you in your writing process when you think something is good? If you were to think back on it, would it come from the earliest stages of your writing career? Or do you, do you think that you have changed over time in just that essence of what makes a good melody for you? I think it's refined itself, but I think it's all based in the same principle, which is it's always a feeling for me. A lot of times it's one, it might be one line, you know, the hypocrite walks as if the, the county line divides his whole life. And for some reason, a line like that comes out and suddenly it attaches itself to a, a melody. And then that melody is like a road I follow until I get to the end. And there's this joyous sensation of completion when you get to the end and it's like oh there it is it might not be in its final form but it the crux of what it is is there and it it has a feeling then that's sort of when i i know whatever it is i was trying to get out has come out and then there's a, a bit of a refining process but mm-hmm. for me that's usually how it happens i don't know if that answers this question directly yeah <laughs> no I, it's a, it's kind of a weird question because i always think when i really like something i can go oh it's kind of in that carpenter's music you know jesus christ superstar kind of vein where it's, it's got some of those same elements and i wondered if others were i wondered if you had the same kind of experience where it's like there's a little pocket i mean certainly we grow we change and we build on our vocabulary it even seemed like paul mccartney was grabbing from songs that is maybe was were played around the house some of his styles, you know, early on, but yeah, it's just a general yeah, question. I think, I think that definitely happens. Whether sometimes you could have a, an artist or something in mind, or sometimes you arrive at a place, and then when you listen back, you're like, oh, I think I was probably listening to whoever it is at the time, and it kind of just bled into what you ended up creating in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like both of those things have happened to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned some pretty prophetic lyrics there, I have to admit. I'm like, I'm going to have to listen back and actually listen back to the lyrics that you said. Are you a well-read person? What is your secret to writing lyrics? Are you well-read? You got lots of stories to tell. Where are you inspired lyrically for your songwriting? I do read a lot. I've read a lot of books. I love reading. I also have a lot of stories. I feel like I've definitely lived forward and chased a lot of traveling and and been a lot of places. And I've had a lot of great things. I've had a lot of tragedy. I've had a lot of different things, obviously, in life that have led, you know, as a direct vein into my songwriting. I think the, the lyric I said a few minutes back here was from a song of ours called The Hypocrite. It's a, it's a, a deep song. Sometimes I disguise the messages. Sometimes I tell the story very matter of factly. That one I think is uh, pretty, pretty matter of fact. I would say mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a combination of experience and a combination of reading is probably a lot where the way I form lyrics come. I don't sit there and slave over them a lot. It's sort of like they come and then I can kind of shape them and find the best and simplest way. If anything, I'm always trying to take words away try to simplify the way to get the message across. 
Mm, very um, good. You guys have three albums that you've released, Rock and Soul, The Lesson, and Tricked. Lesson and Tricked have done really well, getting some rotation on a lot of different radio stations. You guys have charted on different radio charts. So congratulations on all of that. Really, it's just a, it's a great thing to start in a business like music. Business and music, I guess, in my mind, don't go together, but I, I said it. So there you go. Kudos for all of those efforts. The way you described your lyric writing, your songwriting process, and have in our past conversations and in this one, I like the mathematical approach, but also the very literary approach. I, I get this from you. But when I saw you perform not too long ago here in Mammoth Lakes, your stage demeanor is just so cool and calm. Was that something that you had to practice or is it just who you are? Good question. I'm a laid back, fun kind of guy. I mean, I think some of that is naturally who I am, but I also, I feel so lucky every time I get to play music that there is just a, a little bit of like a little kid on Christmas sensation that you know when you get to get on a stage and have the opportunity to share music with people that comes through i'm constantly trying to engage more and, and be as present as possible i think that's a that's a bit of a journey to try to hone that down but i i keep trying to do that well i'll tell you what it was so relaxed i could actually feel it in the room there's a lot of different ways of performing, but you were so cool and just kind of in that moment, it really was an in-control kind of presence. And I could feel it in the room, like, I can get behind this guy and this band. A, you sound great, you know, so there's that. But just your demeanor as a group and as a collective is just so much confidence and chill. I don't know, maybe it was the six-hour drive or something. <laughs> you, get to ah. a, you get to a certain space where you're just, I'm just cool right now because I've been driving all day. Or it's just really you. So I wanted to give that, give kudos to you in that regard because I find that that's, that's a high-level performance right there. Of course, uh, instrumental, you guys are great, but just the demeanor of everybody was just so in control, and it, I think it's a hard thing to do. Thanks a lot for that. I, I appreciate that, and also, uh, you know, some kudos to the other cats in the band. I trust them. They're all exceptional humans and players, so I think there's a confidence that comes from knowing the four of us are getting together to play music, coupled with the magnification of energy in the room. For it to translate that way is, is nice to hear. Yeah, I definitely want to give a shout out to your guys and girl, Ben Andrews on guitar and fiddle, and Shreds on the fiddle, fiddle too, by the way. He also sings. Mark Anthony Calderon on the bass and vocals, really good. And Daria Johnson on drums, who I had learned the last time you guys were here that went to the same college I went to at Berkeley. So uh, we became friends in that regard too. So just kudos to you guys. We'll look forward to seeing you if you're listening to the radio show now up here at the June Lake Jam Fest this September. All right, but let's talk about some of the songs we want to play today. Should we start with a song that you played recently here in Mammoth? Yeah, it's a live cut. If it sounds good, yeah, let's play it. I think you're talking about May Not Have Known. Yes. What was the inspiration for May Not Have Known? Gosh, May Not Have Known for me is a story about really my relationship with music. A lot of my love stories are really pens to music. This song in particular is sort of the dance with the muse and there's times when the muse is very present and I'm giving it all my attention. And then there's times when I fade away and it's sort of a, a message to the muse that, you know, whenever I am connected to it, I'm giving it my all. And it, it may not know how much I love it, but I am grateful for the inspiration that pushes me forward. Hmm, beautiful. Let's listen to it, shall we? Sounds good. This is Fletcher Nielsen from Trichorum. And the song we're about to hear is May Not Have Known, recorded live in Mammoth Lakes. <laughs> I have known that I have always loved you 
welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That was May Not Have Known Tricorum. We have Fletcher Nielsen, the great piano player and vocalist and songwriter from the band Tricorum, with us on the line. Tricorum is going to be playing at the June Lake Jam Fest this September. If you'd like to get your tickets for that show, it's amazing. June Lake Jam Fest 2022.eventbrite.com. Talking about the June Lake Jam Fest, Fletcher, how is it that you got to know Janet and were asked about the June Lake Jam Fest? And what is it that has you so excited about playing this year? Janet, we met, I think, just before the pandemic had hit. From coming to Mammoth, from being at the, uh, we used to play the Tioga when they had the free concerts uh, during the summer. I think just through the, the local group of music heads that were around, we found out about the festival and reached out to see if they'd be interested in having us. And it worked out. We're most excited about how beautiful the June Lake Loop to be up there in that just incredible, incredible piece of California and the family vibe for the festival. And, and of course, it, it supports arts and, and music there locally, which is, you know, one of my favorite things. There's a lot of festivals that, you know, are great, but ones that are dedicated to a uh, an art and music outlet for the community always is something we'd like to get involved with so yeah looking forward to all the all the great music a lot of friends a couple days of camping and getting down out there in the in the mountains yeah for all the right reasons right it's a beautiful place you know great people great music for a great cause it's beautiful so this september is going to be off the chain but let's talk about tricorum and your music i I love it so much i want to make sure we've got as much time to play as many songs as possible let's go to a song off of your the lesson album it's called rock i guess before we talk about rock can you tell us why you called the album the lesson let's see it's the title to a track on there but it was also reflective of that time in my writing and in my my life experience there's a lot of going on There's, there's a lot of sacrifice in life for everybody and chasing art, but also felt like I was being handed lessons very frequently at that stage in my living. So I think that's also why we used the title of the song as also the album, The Lesson. Mm -hmm. So the song Rock on the album, you picked to play. Is there a specific reason why this song? You know what? I like it because where I grew up in Florida, the musical influence was extreme. My grandmother was from New Orleans. And so between New Orleans, Caribbean, Cuban blues, rock and roll, your, you know, Ray Charles Allman Brothers, your Tom Petty's, all, all this stuff that is very Florida centric. My songwriting often switches between genres within the song. It was just sort of a natural thing between jazz and all my influences where a lot of my songwriting, I felt like, oh, I could transition to this. But rock I chose because we are eclectic in nature. And sometimes in, you know, you try to describe the band to people. They would say, well, what are you exactly? And it's like, well, we mostly play rock. And that's sort of the joke in the song. The song is about chasing rock and roll. It's about leaving love at the doorstep in a rainstorm because just couldn't stop chasing music. And then it it goes on this musical journey where it sort of goes to a Cuban-influenced jam in the middle only to return to the very much straight-ahead rock and roll. So I thought it would be an interesting track to check out. Awesome, awesome. It's interesting about what you were talking about, how you describe a genre of music and what are you. And we we like to compartmentalize things. And when I'm a little bit older than you, when we were writing songs and submitting them to record companies, they absolutely wanted to know where you were going to be on the shelf. I think this day and age... 
you know, in the last 20 years, it's been a little bit more open to having that cross-pollination of genres within an album, first of all, but especially within a song. <laughs> so I appreciate how we have evolved as a music industry into now allowing music to just truly be an expression using all genres and, and flavors and it just being sounding normal, like this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I look forward to more of that happening. Hey guys, you're listening to the Jam Frequency Radio Show. This is Fletcher Nielsen from the band Trocorum, and we are going to take a listen to our song, Rock.
from the tight grip of your hands Well, I just knew I had to be Excellent. Welcome back, everybody. That was Chikorum with Rock. All those different flavors of music within. Just so cool. We have on the line Fletcher Nielsen with us. Chikorum is going to be playing at the June Lake Jam Fest this year. We cannot wait to experience these guys. And they're not only great musicians and great songwriters, but also just great people. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you a fun question before we get into the next song, because I definitely want to play as much music in this episode as possible. All right, let's see. What do we want to do? What do you do? if your audience looks tired or bored during the performance? Do you have any tricks to kind of elevate the enthusiasm? Hopefully it doesn't happen, but it does, of course. You know, you always play a a variety of rooms. Sometimes I think it's a good moment to take it down and try to engage them with a, you know, something that's heartfelt or more of a songwriter song to see if you can't enliven them with some emotion and get them reconnected. And I guess the other option is to just throw down and hopefully you light a fire under them and they just start dancing. Right. Both great techniques, yes. I thought you were going to say you have a joke book or something and you just Ah. break that out. It's like, all right, we're going to start again right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's hilarious. But but do it through music is awesome. It's perfect. What's your favorite part about being a musician and what's your least favorite part about being a musician? Hmm. My favorite part about being a musician is getting to play music and and share that vibration with people. That communication is something else otherworldly. I love the traveling. I love, you know, getting to see the musical side of the country or out of the country, depending where you're traveling. All of that builds into the gumbo of experience, which I love. I would say the thing I like least about uh, playing music, uh, I'm not sure about that one. That's perfect. What a perfect answer. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, yeah. nothing I don't like. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty, you know, you get into the technical complaining about, well, like the blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I don't think about something I don't like very much. 
you know, mm. the work is always worth the reward, I think. Wow. What a great philosophy. You'd be teaching philosophy courses after the end of this program. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. I don't stress about anything. You know, it's like, there's always going to be stuff, but I don't, I don't own it. It's really, it is sound advice for sure for anybody. Let's get into more of the songwriting aspect, my favorite subject of all time. All right, I want to talk about the song Dying Wind, also from the Lesson album. Can you tell us the backstory of this and how you created it? Dying Wind. I have a, an old trusty acoustic guitar that I love named Angelica. She has birthed many a song from her guitar strings. And this song, Dying Wind, is one of those I wrote on guitar. I play the rhythm guitar on this track. It's a song about a, a lot about what we're talking about. It. It's a song about a, a kid that's from somewhere, maybe rural Mississippi, that's coming down to the big town to play his guitar. And, and the scorn or the doubt that he feels people are sort of shedding on him. And then, you know, his ultimate victory inside of the, the local saloon where he sort of just slays the crowd with his music and and they wonder where he came from and where he's going next. One of the beautiful things about a song is once a, once a song is out there, it's it's forever. It'll last long after you're gone. The melody and the, and the rest of it is out there in the universe. I think that's always been a comforting thing in creating music. Wow, perfect. And Dying Wind is the song title. Excellent. But I want to ask you about how you named your guitar Angelica. Is there a specific, is Angel part of it or is there something specific? It's a, it's a funny story. I was looking for a, a nylon string guitar. I went into one of these, you know, large music stores that we have. I was looking at a rack of guitars. I'm picking them up. It's like 350, 400, 600. I'm like, wow, these sound good. I picked up this one, sounded amazing. And I just looked at the price tag and for some reason it said $35. And I quickly went straight to the counter before the mistake can be revealed and say, I'm going to get this guitar. And the guy looked at me, he looked at the tag. He's like, $35. Like, that seems like a really good idea. Uh, great. And so I you know, paid him the cash and, and took it out. And then when I looked inside, actually the name of the guitar type is Angelica. And so, yeah, I didn't have to do much to name it. I just started calling her by the, the name that was printed inside. Oh, wow. And only 35 bucks for real? Yeah. $35. I'm quite certain it was missing a zero. Um, <laughs> At the very least, but hey, they could have said that. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to get over on the shop. I was just that was definitely in my price range where three fifty at the time was certainly not. Mm. So I have trusted Angelica to this day. Yeah, I like to look at it. It was uh, the guitar was meant for you. You know. Yeah, I think so. I feel that way. It was kind of calling to me. That's perfect. I love that story. Hey, this is Fletcher Nielsen from Tricorum on the Jam Frequency Radio, and we are going to take a listen to Dying Wind. One, two, three. Well, it was black as night when he came down From the Mississippi River running deep and wide He learned to sing the blues, paying his dues And with none to lose, well, you could hear the music in stride So hard to capture a pass with the dying wind Storming painfully in rain As he crossed town With the guitar on his back and the traveling sound People all cried 
Trying to see past by hair, you'll never see the light of day. Can't forget the smile as he bowed gracefully, but he carried on his way. Nothing to lose at all But you will surely lose your mind Working for someone else And all you slave your lives to capture Will pass with the dying wind Trichorum with Dying Wind. How awesome is this band? We have Fletcher Nielsen on the line, who is a great piano player and a singer, songwriter, but also a guitar player. We talked about Angelica before and how he was able to obtain that guitar and now is his beloved significant other in some ways, for sure. Fletcher, <laughs> it's so nice talking to you, brother. I really mean that sincerely. Let's talk more about songwriter. Can we do that? You wrote, sure. Let's, let's move into your Tricked album. Been on rotation for over like 225 AAA radio stations, just a, a great, a great achievement there. But let's talk about "Don't Do It" as one of the t- one of the songs from the album. Where was the inspiration for this? "Don't Do It," yeah, it's a it's a song I basically wrote. You know, people personnel come in and out of bands or come in and out of your life, and you know, sometimes it's on their terms, sometimes it's on other terms. But it's just sort of a 
happy-go-lucky tune about like, don't do it. Don't, you know, don't make me do what I don't want to do, which is like, don't let us part ways under strange circumstances. Let's, you know, we have different directions to go. Let's call it that, but don't force me to walk away or, you know, it's better to communicate and not say, don't burn bridges. Just, you know, try your best to be a human and we all have a different path to take. I think that's kind of, kind of the gist of it. Can I ask you something specifically about lyric writing? Yeah, it just it, it just came to me when you think about like writing a phrase. You like you sing the phrase, and then you're let's say some words came real natural in the, in the first verse, for example, or the chorus. When you go to write like a second verse, uh, you've set your rhyme scheme for you know maybe at the end of every other line and whatnot. When you think about rhyming, just being specific, do you think about that the word at the end of a phrase has to rhyme in the sequence of say your first verse into your second verse? Do you follow that kind of pattern? I would say sometimes, sometimes it's more of a rhythmic thing, the way I've set up the way the cycle for like a verse is going to go. But there's definitely usually some place where a rhyme happens. I think if anything, I'm I'm cognizant of not wanting to be too sing-songy, but I think that that is a natural thing when you're writing a poem or something. But to your point, yeah, usually after that first one's knocked out, there's an idea that starts the second one. And then I do sort of maybe look back at the structure of how I've done the first one to sort of have some continuity there. There are parts that rhyme and I do spend, you know, a lot of times you get something down and then you realize oh there's a better rhyme there that says more and so when you go back maybe some of those are the things that you refine in the poem and then bring it forward i've always been fascinated with how do you choose the rhyme because there's so many words that we have in our language and so many of the easy ones have already been written you know just you know, normal vowel sounding words like blue you know there's so many words that are going to rhyme with that and after a while it's like have they all been done i find that sometimes it's like i just want it to be i want it to rhyme uh, but i don't want it to be one that's been used a million times and that sounds so perfect so it's nice to hear your technique and how you how you work things. Maybe a follow-up to that question. Same thing about writing the first verse. Going into the second verse, for those who don't maybe know song structure, we've got like a verse and maybe a typical song, or I shouldn't even say typical these days, but just the average type of song would have a verse, which you're telling the story. Then you would have a chorus, which is the memorable part where it's usually a, the strongest hook. And then you have a second verse, which continues to tell the story. Now, when you get to the second verse, there's a melody that you've written in the first verse, and it's usually very very similar. How strict are you as a songwriter with keeping the same melody and the same number of like syllables in a melodic phrase? I wouldn't say I'm strict, but I would say again that there's like a there's a rhythmic feel that does tie to the syllables and stuff. For me, does the verse feel right? And a lot of times that's making sure that I'm leaving the space between stuff. A lot of times it's the it's the space that actually accents what you're trying to say. For me, that's where simplifying it's like, okay, you want to say, and then they went to the thing and the thing, but you're not going to say all that. So it's got to try to find that group of words that convey the idea. Maybe it's going to leave a little work for the listener to do and, and wonder, okay, you know, let their imagination sort of fill in the blanks and leave that space there instead of trying to make sure every detail. But I, I do like to have the feel of the, the verses be unified in some way so that it's clear 
how the progression's happening. Oh, great answers. I love that, Fletcher. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, learning a little bit more about the songwriting process because there's no wrong way to do it. But I think traditionally, if you have a melody that's working and a certain number of syllables, to repeat that helps the listener kind of gravitate to holding on to it a little bit longer. I guess maybe on the first or two yeah. second listen. I'm a big cycle. I like long calls and responses, and I'm sort of always being aware of these sort of larger rhythmic cycles. So I'm definitely paying attention to that as well. This is Fletcher Nielsen from the band Tricorum. We are on the Jam Frequency Radio, and we're going to listen to Don't Do It.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Tricorum's Don't Do It. We've got the great Fletcher Nielsen on the line with us, the piano player, singer, and songwriter. And uh, just super stoked to have you on the line with us, Fletch. We're looking forward to having uh, Fletch and, and the band Tricorum here at the June Lake Jam Fest. If you'd like to get your tickets for that, it's going to be an awesome weekend. Go to junelakejamfest2022.eventbrite.com. You can always just check out all of the acts at junelakejamfest.org. And you can listen to all the interviews that we've done with the bands this year at jamfrequencyradio.com. So you got lots of choices and ways of experience the June Lake Jam Fest. Janet it really outdoes herself t- to make sure that everyone feels welcome and it's just a magical experience and all for putting music programs and art programs into our schools up here in the Eastern Sierra. All right, so let's ask another fun question. I don't think I've asked you this one, Fletcher. Let's say you're coming up to the Eastern Sierra for the weekend, and you will be. You've got one album to bring with you and that's the only entertainment you have. What album album do you bring with you for the weekend? That's a good question. Uh, I would either bring Ella Fitzgerald Lewis Armstrong duets album. I'll take Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. That album will satisfy me or um, live Parliament Funkadelic double disc. Oh, I, can I bring a double disc? Yeah, why not? <laughs> bring as long as you want. We, yeah. I had one person saying they're going to bring a book on tape. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, just like it's on CD or it's on a, you know, it's on an album. Uh, I can do this. Like, bring the Odyssey, the Odyssey on the, <laughs> on tape. That's my answer. It's like, you probably have a lot of hobbies that you experience, but I want to ask specifically if it's game night in your house or with friends, what games do you guys play? Definitely playing Yahtzee. I'll throw some dominoes. Definitely like to throw bones. And I'd say uh, Rummy Cube is, is in rotation. Those are probably the first three that come to mind. All good games for sure. Before I let you go, what is next for Tricorum? Are you guys in the studio? You've written some new albums. What is the up, up and coming plan for the band? Yeah, a lot of new music to share that we've been waiting to record for a while. So hoping to get some of that done this summer and into the fall and have a, a lot of releases to do. And we're back playing as many shows as possible. So we've got some outdoor festival stuff here in the, in the Bay Area where we're at home and just looking to get back to playing as much as possible and, and bringing the circus back on the road. Awesomeness. I love the chemistry of the band, the lineup. I'm uh, looking forward to the seeing you live, but also hearing your recordings and how you kind of do some seasoning. You know, to, We always change things up. In fact, I'd like to ask you that. When you write a song, do you test drive it on the road first before you go into the recording studio? Sometimes, yes. For this up and coming album, have you are some of the songs that we're going to hear you play? Are they going to find themselves on the next record? Yeah, there's a few that we've been playing that will find themselves on the next record, and we'll probably, as the summer moves on here, probably add more to, to do what you're saying, which is to try some of them out live, mm-hmm. which um, helps you kind of refine them. That's the plan, and then some will definitely not be revealed until the albums drop. Okay, good. Nice, nice balance. Now, in your tradition, and maybe it'll change moving forward, when you arrange a song with the band and you take it on the road and you try out some of these songs, how different are the songs when you actually go to record them as far as the arrangements? Are you an embellisher or do you like to keep things stripped down? I guess it depends on the the song. I mean, I think the idea is to at least get a, a roadmap together that's comfortable. That way, if you want to cut or add stuff, it's it's pretty universal across the understanding, you know, what that means. Sometimes in the studio too, though, I mean, I still believe in the album. So I'm still trying to create a piece of art that for the the listener that enjoys the music and connects with us, wants to play from start to finish. You know, I still think about the space between songs and the, the way the stories connect to one another and what's the overall message on an album. 
I know it's a little bit archaic and thought with the quick release living that we're having today, but LP's coming back. I think it doesn't matter, honestly. I think that's just the way I like the art. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you just continue to do it that way and then you leave it out there for eternity to, to decide. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I like that you consider both, right? I mean, there's yeah. individual songs and it's a, it's a work of art. It's like a gallery. When you're writing, are you thinking of a series of songs as a concept for an album or do you write specific songs and then there's a natural camaraderie between the songs that maybe when I'm writing them, I'm not wholly focused on the concept, but that when I go to think about the album and start collecting songs, I realize, Oh, you know, these eight songs actually are friends in a way that makes me want to put them together because they do sort of represent a concept I think that's more how it happens. And it seems to work out. It's like, oh, those are the perfect songs for this album, which then overall has this continuity and message. And sometimes it's like, oh, I really want to record that song, but it's not going to fit with these other ones. So then it goes into a pile where that's going to be the next album or a separate expression. We're going to probably do some EP stuff, like we're all a three-song reggae EP with some dub stuff on the back because we love to play reggae live. And then, you know, same with any of the other genres. Sometimes it's like, hey, let's release a, a funk single. And then you have these more larger scale conceptual albums as well. Very nice. I love it. I love your thought process, Fletcher. Thanks for sharing all of that. And so what can we do as fans of Tricorum to help you guys on your journey? Go to our website, sign up for our mailing list. If you got friends you think might like the music, pass it on to them and ask them to do the same. We do have a pretty cool merchandise shop set up now where you can get some gear if you feel like it. And uh, come out to the shows spread the word and we'll keep doing the same and hopefully we'll just build this thing together beautiful our home website is just www.trocorum.com and you can find us on uh, facebook and instagram all those things as well youtube perfect well fletcher thank you so much for talking to us you're a great guy great musician songwriter the whole nine and we look forward to seeing you this september it's going to be awesome appreciate it john thanks for, to you and the uh, jam radio frequency show here and thanks for all you do to support the uh, local community and, and just live music and radio mm. really appreciate it awesome brother Traguna Macoides Tricorum Satisti Substitutiary locomotion Mystic power that's far beyond the wildest notion It's so weird, so feared, yet wonderful to see Substitutiary locomotion come to me Traguna Macoides Tracorum Satis D Traguna Macoides Tracorum Satis D I don't want locomotionary substitution Or remote in transitory convolution Only one precise solution is the key Substitutionary locomotion it must be Traguna Macoides and Tracorum Satis D Lovely 
Substitutionary locomotion You made substitutionary history With Draguna, McCoides and a little help from me With Draguna, McCoides and the That concludes another fun episode of the Jam Frequency Radio Show. Thank you to the artists for sharing their story and music, and thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about the Jam Frequency Radio Show, visit the website at jamfrequencyradio.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you resonated with this week's artist, support them. Go to a show, pick up a t-shirt, download their music, and tell a friend. Thank you again for tuning in. This is John DeMaria signing off from the Jam Frequency radio show where words and music kaleidoscope. Right on.